uh, we're going to we're going to take some time this morning just to share, um, I guess, different perspectives on on uh, what impacted us from the conference, what God was speaking to us, and so um, we're going to do that. But before we do that, I just uh, during the worship there was there was there was some. I guess, I guess the thing that needs to be stated, uh, and it's it's um, it's pretty clear. Maybe someone here just needs to know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, there's there was just a, this undercurrent in the songs we sang this morning of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. He is exclusively God. He is exclusively the Savior of the world. When Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He meant exactly that. There's, no, there's no, one, no one else that you can walk down the corridor of life with that is going to fulfill and satisfy like Jesus. In fact, nothing else satisfies. Everything else is a temporary. Everything else seems like it will. Everything. Every other man-made religion pales in comparison to Jesus. Everything. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is exclusive in terms of what he provides to us. He reached, God reached into our world, sent Jesus Christ, his only son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit was raised from the dead, took our sins upon himself, gave us grace and mercy, gave us life so that we could live in the spirit. Like, it doesn't get any better than that, folks. Like, that is what God gives us. God gives us exclusive rights to the Savior of the world. It's amazing. Anyway, I better stop because you don't get me going. Um, anyway, I just, I, just, I just felt like after the worship that, that there's someone that needs to hear that, that Jesus is the only way. He's the, one that, he's the only one that can satisfy us. He's the only one that can fill our lives with good things. I'm going to turn things over to Kevin and Marilyn. And Kevin and Marilyn were with us. We had a great time with them. We lived uh, for a week together in Brighton, in Kent Town. It was... Very good time. We also uh, had in our, whoops, I dumped everything on the floor. We had everything in our, we had people in our flat. We had uh, Jeremy and Ann Simpkins and Mark Whittington, who is in the Manchester church with Jeremy and Ann, and Barb and myself with these guys. And so I'm going to ask Kevin and Marilyn, why don't you guys come? And they're going to share their impressions of the conference. And um, I'm just going to turn things over to them. The baton is yours. morning. Am I on? Yes, I am. Okay, thanks. Well, it was, it was a great privilege to go to this uh, final conference in Brighton and uh, gather with, I think there was about 5,000 or so people there, ultimately there. Uh, so uh, there was great times of worship and sensing God's presence and teaching and interaction with a lot of people around uh, and seeing what God is doing in people's lives. Uh, just going to go through a few things that uh, kind of spoke to me and things that impressed me, I guess, as, uh, as the conference unfolded and as the week uh, developed. So first of all, uh, some teaching things. Uh, there were some practicalities of how New Frontiers will go forward without a single leader and administrative support organization as Terry is moving on to other things and uh, within the New Frontiers, but not as uh, sort of like the, the leader. And... Uh, the New Frontiers Brighton office closes and the magazine that we have all been enjoying will stop and that kind of thing. And the evolution of these, uh, what we call apostolic spheres, as we go forward and how that is envisioned to uh, 
to go ahead and uh, we just see how God is leading us as a church family through that uh, change. And uh, one of the best talks that we, uh, that I thought personally uh, was, uh, was given uh, in terms of just teaching content was uh, one of the talks on healing that, uh, ter- that PJ Smythe brought. So if you get a chance to check that out when it gets posted on the website, it's well worth a listen. And I attended some seminars on uh, pastoral ministry, uh, shepherding, discipling, and enabling young leaders, which is uh, certainly good in our context right now as we have a lot of young leaders coming up through. And uh, so also some practicalities of dealing with church discipline and divisiveness if, if such things would ever arise. Um, we also had many informal meetings with other church leaders and people from all over the world, really, and uh, many subjects were covered. Uh, but all were helpful in, in seeing the practicalities and outworkings of church leadership, so all good stuff. Uh, in terms of some of the themes that were presented in the conference talks, for me, uh, what stood out was uh, one of the themes was uh, courage that grows out of faith. So we, look, we looked at several examples in, in, other, in more than one talk of, of uh, in the Bible of people with uh, courageous faith like Abraham and Joshua and David and Jesus himself and the apostles. And as we enter a new era in our family of churches, we have the same vision and values and the same mission, the same foundations. But going forward, we need to have courageous faith to, uh, to carry these things out. And for our local church, we continue to diligently seek God and his will for us and strengthening and building on the foundations that have been laid by God and not in our own wisdom and strength. But in faith and dependence on God and committed to his word and empowered by his spirit and moving in, uh, in faith with courage in where God is leading us. So that was one thing that stood out to me. Uh, another was uh, the need to remain in the word and in the spirit. As we grow together as a family of churches and as we grow in our local church, there may be a pressure or an inclination to... Uh, become more acceptable and mainstream, if, if you know what I'm meaning by that. And uh, the risk is that we may give in to this and lose our prophetic edge, lose our openness to the moving of the Spirit in our midst. And uh, after uh, beginning by, by means of the Spirit, are we now going to try to finish in the flesh, as Galatians says? We don't want to be found in that situation. Alternatively, we could react against this and be inclined to and focus on what we might call charismatic at the expense of the word. And we are already, we've already uh, seen tendencies like these, both of these things in, in some churches. And we need to be sure that we remember who we are as a people utterly dependent on God and the presence and power of the spirit in the context of the word of God and sound doctrine based on it. And a third uh, thing that came through to me as a theme was uh, unity. The way forward will be based on unity that is maintained through relationships that are founded on biblical principles of love and service to one another. The New Frontiers family of churches will remain coherent and unified only as long as we're able to maintain communication and unity in relationship with one another in teams that are truly brothers in Christ and who are earnestly seeking to serve under Christ together without selfish ambition. And the fourth one was just a simple one, prayer. Um, 
Prayer is a fundamental and vital aspect of everything that we are about. And it must remain at the center. We need to keep seeking God, crying out to him, longing for his will to be revealed and accomplished, and seeking to re, uh, remain connected with the mind and heart of God for us and for the mission that he has us on. And uh, there were a few prophetic words that stood out to me that were given at the conference um, so I'll just share a few of those with you in very skimming details, but just to get a flavor. Um, one of them was focused on what the idea that what began in the Holy Spirit will continue in the Holy Spirit. And we need to remember our first love and our passion for him. And uh, in times of uncertainty, God is moving us out into new and extraordinary adventures in him. So we've got lots to, be, lots to do, and we can go out with faith and courage to do those things. And uh, we need to move forward, in, not in a spirit of timidity, but with, with courage. That theme of courage just kept coming through in faith. And uh, God's penetrating presence will be with us for our churches, for our cities, and to the nations. His presence will draw people and empower us to proclaim him. And uh, there was a picture of a net, of nets and a net, and God's glory covering the earth and catching many fish. And this is where Americans are. When uh, Jesus was on this earth, a couple of thousand years ago, he was, he was at the Sea of Galilee, and uh, he called fishermen to follow him. And I was at one of the sessions near the end, and it was right after the lady had stood up and talked about the nets being joined together, one big net over the earth. And I saw a picture of a fishing boat. It was a maritime eastern Canadian fishing boat. I think we all have seen one or two. Uh, it, the paint was peeling. It was, uh, it was a working fishing boat. And there were fishermen on the boat. And they were really strong. I remember seeing how strong they were. And then I noticed other boats linked together with our fishing boat. Even the nets were linked together, somehow sewn together. And all the different looking boats. And I noticed boats and boats, and I thought, oh, what does this mean? And then I saw even a, what I thought was a Chinese fishing boat and other boats from other lands, and each boat was linked together and around the globe. And, and I, I noticed that Jesus was standing kind of in the water beside behind the boat, and he was big, a big Jesus, standing there cheering on the fishermen, the fishing people, shouting and laughing joyously. And I just, I thought, well, that's a pretty good picture. i got to bring that one home. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there it was. Uh, England was awesome for us. Like, we had such a relaxing time in Greece, but it was really just sort of... Um, downtime like it wasn't the kind of 
exciting, exhausting <laughs> thing that England always is. And I think you just get a world picture. And just like Marilyn was saying, like you get a global picture of, because sometimes you pray and pray and pray into your own situation. And if you feel like it's not changing, sometimes you can get the idea that maybe God isn't powerful and maybe God doesn't hear you and maybe God doesn't actually have a plan. But then you hear people from all over the world sharing what God's doing and it just gives you your spirit that kind of boost that says, don't worry, I haven't forgotten you. And there was like tons of prophetic words about Canada going back to 1985 from people who don't know us. And especially starting in 1995, when, when all of the meeting place was starting and, and we felt, like, really alone, you wouldn't believe the prayer groups that they're like, I don't know why I'm praying for Canada. I don't even know anyone in Canada. And all these different people were, were sharing stuff with us because we had the Canadian flag and we kept waving it. And I thought, wow, like, here we are and we're surrounded by snowbanks and we're discouraged and and... And God is, is answering our prayers as they come out of our mouth, and we don't know. And so I just thought that like, you need to hear that for your own situation, that God hears you, and there's a huge plan, and, it, and it's all woven together, and we just have to keep saying yes. And another encouraging thing for Gary and I is we, um, we have this word from someone who doesn't know us, that he's in Mexico, and, and he's a really neat guy, and I think he's going to be... Um, encouraged and an encourager of of Reese in Vancouver. Anyway, he just had this really encouraging word for us about kind of next steps for us to go out and encourage other people. And and um, later that night, when we uh, there was a prophetic kind of gathering of people interested in Vancouver, and the prophetic has never been so easy. Like just. Anyway, it was very encouraging to us, and I just think God has big plans, and I think it's ex- we're an exciting part of it in Fredericton, and so many people say, oh, yeah, Fredericton. <laughs> we feel like we know you guys because we pray for you so often, and in Brighton, they're praying for us and all over the place. So anyway, just be encouraged, and I think to be able to download some of the things that were going on because they're all just free f- for the downloading, mm-hmm. Or, or we'll get some, too, on tape if you can't, on CD if you can't download. And just get part of it. Like, just jump in. Because they kept saying, like, God's doing it. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> or do you want to just let it all, all the ships pass before you? Or do you want to jump on one? So, anyway, jump in. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Okay. Well, I feel like, I feel like we've just had some movie trailers. And... Uh, for things, and I'd like to just take a few minutes to tie a few things together. Um, for those of you who are visiting with us, this this morning is a bit of an in-house thing, um, but I hope you get the sense of uh, what God is doing among us. And so, just to give you a bit of a background, and even if you're with us in the Meeting Place Church, to give you a bit of a background, uh, our church is now for about 11 and a half years, been part of a larger family of churches uh, called New Frontiers. Now, we're not a denomination. We're an association of a family of churches. So we don't have, um, you know, we don't have one. If you go to some uh, denominational websites, you'll find a statement of belief and so on. We do have a statement of belief. We do have doctrinal 
uh, foundational uh, beliefs, but we're not tied together by our doctrines. We're not tied together by our fundamental beliefs. We're tied together in relationship. And those relationships provide an opportunity for hundreds of churches worldwide, first starting in England uh, all those years ago and through Terry Virgo's leadership and his fathering and how God used Terry Virgo to uh, bring a message of grace and mercy and life in the spirit with a foundation in the word to build churches uh, with that type of foundation. And so apostolically, we do believe Uh, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the church today. We do believe in the Ephesians 4 ministries, and one of the Ephesians 4 ministries is the ministry of the apostolic. And so we do believe that God has foundation layers um, that he's raising up all around the earth uh, to pull together families of churches uh, in relationship. And so Terry, uh, Terry Virgo, being the father of our network of churches, uh, established an apostolic, we would call it a larger apostolic sphere. Now, you won't find the word sphere in the Bible, but it, it kind of gives you an idea, um, kind of gives you an impression of, of what, we're, uh, what we're about. A sphere has the ability to expand, it has the ability to contract. But our sphere of apostolic network, if you will, has been expanding over the course of the last 20, 25 years. And now Terry Virgo uh, has seen fit to take a step back and to uh, allow other emerging apostolic leaders uh, from around the world to continue in building these overlapping uh, apostolic spheres of relationship between churches. It's really exciting. And so uh, to give you a better idea of what's going on, if you're visiting with us, uh, you will find out at the front table the latest edition of the New Frontiers magazine. And on the front cover, it says, um, Forward Together. This is actually the conference uh, booklet that has some additional information about the conference. But in the middle of the conference booklet is the actual magazine that is out in the front table. And that gives you a really clear picture uh, and introduce you to some of the people around the world uh, that are now taking more of a leadership role in connecting these apostolic networks. And so Terry recognizes that as one man, it's very difficult. How do you how do you relate to literally hundreds of churches in England, all through Europe, South Africa, East Africa, West Africa, India, the Pacific Rim, through North America, now South America? How do you do that? Well, obviously, God has a plan to raise up not a successor to Terry Virgo, but to raise up a number of people who, by relationship and by a common set of values, and yes, doctrines and beliefs, uh, together to advance the cause of the gospel in the world and to build, as we have heard many, many times, to build an expression of Christianity that is relevant and powerful in the spirit. So we believe that God is calling us as a family of churches to change the expression of Christianity as we know it. Now, being in the West and being a Christian now, I was, I guess, August 12th, this, this August 12th, um, I'll have been a Christian for 28 years. Now, I put a date on it. I put a date on 28 years this, uh, this coming August. But in truth, God had me in process many years before that. But essentially, on August the 12th, 1982, I gave my, actually 29 years, I gave my life to Jesus. He sought me out. He was the one that reached down into my situation, 
I couldn't reach to him. I had no power in and of myself to find God. The Bible says that no one seeks God. The only person that can do that is God in the person of the Holy Spirit. He chases us with his compassion. He pursues us with his love. And he does that. If you're a Christian here this morning, it's not by anything that you did. Because the Bible says that you were dead in your sin and trespasses. How can a dead man reach out to God? How can a dead woman reach out to God? I've heard the analogy said before that, you know what, I was drowning in my sin and I reached out to Jesus. No, you didn't. You weren't drowning in your sin. You were dead in your sin and trespasses. A dead man can't reach. God, by his Holy Spirit, puts these supernatural defibrillators on our heart and raises us to new life. That's what he does. And what God has called us to do as a family of churches is to, is to preach that word, that God is sovereign, God is the one that has control. God is the one that reaches into our lives and changes us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So we value, are we, people may say, are you a word church? Do you believe in the Bible? Yes, we do. We believe in the value of the word of God. We believe that, that the Bible is the word of God, that all of the Bible, front to back, Genesis to Revelation, is the inspired word of God. Every word is God's inspired word. Every word. The Bible says that all Scripture is profitable for us. All of it. Not just the stuff we pick and choose. I know uh, a friend of mine who lives in another city, and he basically says, you know what, I pick and choose. And I said, well, it's kind of like you're a smorgasbord Christian then. You kind of just pick the stuff you like. He says, yeah, more or less. I was like, no, it doesn't work that way. The whole Bible, the whole Bible, we believe in the Word of God as being basically God's inspired Word to us. But we also believe, people say, well, if you're a word church, are you a spirit church? Do you believe in the power of the spirit? Yes, we do. And we believe that a church can't be a church if it's not both and. We are a word church and we believe in the power of the spirit. And so God is raising up churches that have that expression of Christianity where the word of God is valued and the spirit of God and the life of the spirit flows in our midst. Not just on a Sunday morning at all times in our lives. And so there is, in a sense, this feeling that we are at the end of an era as a family of churches. But don't let that dismay you. Don't let that disappoint you. Really, what we are is we're at the end of the beginning. And we've heard that before. We're at the end of the beginning of what God is going to do. Like, I am so pumped about what God is going to do in this nation. I'm so pumped about it. I'm so excited to know that God has Canada on his heart. And you know what? It's not just that God has Canada or God has Fredericton on his heart or God has Halifax on his heart, but God also has the nations on his heart and wants to reach the nations through this country. That's powerful when you think about it. So we are at the end of an era, but what God is doing in this part of the world is he's raising up another apostolic team. He's raising up other apostolic leaders that are going to lead out in laying foundations for new churches and to lay out prophetic leading for those churches. Because we believe that God appoints apostles and prophets and we believe that churches are based and founded on the apostolic and the prophetic. And he also provides pastor teachers. He provides evangelists for our church. I'll be very honest with you. You know, in our church, one of the things that we feel that we need from God, we, we, we're asking God for gifts. 
And in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the gifts that God gives us. Apostles, prophets, pastor, teachers, evangelists. You know what we need in this church? We're praying for the gift of of an evangelist. Because you see, the Ephesian 4 ministries are gifts to the church. They're people, but they're gifts to the church. And they're gatherers. Evangelists are gatherers. The ones that clearly speak in a relevant cultural way the word of God to our society. But in and above that, what they do is empower others to do likewise. And so we're asking God for that expression in our church. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. We're missing that. We're missing that, folks. So if you want to know what to pray for for our church, we're going to pray for that tonight. We're going to pray tonight that God would raise up an evangelist in our church. Whether he gives us one from the outside or God uncovers evangelistic gifting that is here now, that's already here. I have a hunch it's both and. I have a hunch that God is going to do both. So there is, in a sense, this, this feeling that New Frontiers is at the end of the beginning phase. And we're, we're moving on. And it's really, really important that we understand that the things that have gone on in the past 25 to 30 years, 20 to 30 years, that we can't forget those things. And we have to remember the past while looking to the future. We have to remember the things that God has done. Now on Friday, Friday I guess the last session of, of the conference, for me, that, I mean, the, every session of this International Leaders Conference where there were 5,000 people from all around the globe, leaders from all these different churches gathered, the last message by Dave Holden, for me, kind of capped it off. And he illustrated five things that we as a movement, if we want to continue to share our values, continue to build churches that are apostolically and prophetically founded, continue to make the inroads to change the expression of Christianity as we know it, if we want to do that, then there are five things that we need to hold on to. Now, Mark Driscoll, whether you agree with him or not, it matters not. Mark Driscoll, he talks about the things that we hold in our fist and the things that we hold in our open hand. In other words, when we're building church, there are some things that we hold in our fist tightly. How about things like the Trinity? We don't waver from that, right? The virgin birth of Jesus, we don't waver from that. We believe in those things. We believe in the resurrection, right? We believe in the ascension of Jesus. We believe in his coming again. And there's many other things we hold tight in our fists. We say, we're not going to sway from these things. And there are other things that are more open-fisted things. Things that really are not things that um, should be hitching points for us. They're not hills that we want to die on. You know, they're not things that we're going we're gonna, to, you know, like, for example, the style of music that we play. It's like, well, we, 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 do, we do modern worship stuff. We do hymns. That's good. It's open-handed. You hear people say, well, I can't go to that church because the Spirit's not moving. What do you mean the Spirit's not Well, they don't do the latest Hillsong stuff. They're stuck in the 90s. Doesn't seem that far back to me, but... <laughs> but they're stuck somewhere else. Those are open, open-handed things. Really, you know what, folks? They're not important because if God's presence isn't with us, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're singing Happy Birthday to You, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit shows up. Wonderful. God's presence is with us. It doesn't really matter doesn't really matter. There was an occasion last week at the conference where a guy got up and he, in front of 5,000 people, 
He's actually Don Smith's son-in-law. He got up in front of 5,000 people. And he, he typically is known to be someone who has a prophetic song. His name is Reuben. And he got up there and he just, he, he actually got up and he, he said to Simon Brading, who was leading the worship, he said, okay, do this chord progression. And he gave him this chord progression. And he said, 20 years ago, Bruce Springsteen played in this room. And he started to sing the song Badlands. And it was like, can the Holy Spirit show up in a Bruce Springsteen song? Now, Andy would definitely say yes. And I would agree. But the bottom line is, the song Badlands talks about we've got to be in the Badlands. We've got to be where the people are. We've got to be going out into the Badlands. He had 5,000 people singing Badlands. Holy Spirit was there. I mean, <laughs> loved it. I was having a great time. I said, yes, Lord, let's, let's do more of this, you know. But anyway, it was wonderful. But the bottom line is, there are some things, regardless of the type of music, they're open-handed things. But there are some things as a movement in terms of our values that we need to hold on to like this. If we're going to maintain the course that God has us on, like Marilyn shared about the nets and the boats connecting worldwide in all different nations, the Chinese and the Koreans and Canadians and Americans and Mexicans and South Americans and all over the place, if that's going to continue and we're going to do the things together that we've done, there are some things that we have to hold on to together. And he spoke about five things. And basically, the first one is this, is that we have to preserve our like-mindedness. We have to preserve our like-mindedness. Notice that I didn't say we all have to be the same. Didn't say that, because we believe that in our family of churches, that the churches are autonomous. We have churches that have clear leadership, churches that have an expression of their culture, but yet have a shared value system based on the Word of God and the power of the Spirit laid on relational, apostolic, prophetic foundations. And so, he says, number one, we need to be like-minded. You can be an individual with strong opinions. And there are some of you in this room that I know have strong opinions. Some might say that I have strong opinions. But you know what? I can have a strong opinion, but I can still be like-minded with you all. Does it mean we're always going to agree? By no means should we always be agreeing. We need to be like-minded so that we can understand that in our like-mindedness, it gives us the freedom to disagree. It gives us the freedom to be able to agree on the things that matter, to work things out, to be harmonious, be in accord, be of one mind, to be on the same, way, same wavelength. The expression of it is going to be different. I'm going to pick on Kevin because he's got broad shoulders. Thursday night at Brighton, there were 5,000 people in the room. Evan Rogers was leading worship, and it was, as they say in England, a party. Okay? It was one sea of people dancing and worshiping God. It was amazing. I looked over at Kevin, and he's like this. Okay? And there was the odd clap. But, but on the inside, but on the inside, he was just as crazy as everybody else. 
But that's okay. Right? The expression is different. That's just to illustrate it. Like we all are different, right? We all have, we all have differences. But we need to recognize that we're like-minded in our history. We cannot remember our, we cannot remember, um, if we can't remember our history, we can't go forward together. At Vancouver Day on Saturday, we had this additional mini conference day last Saturday in London where we were getting together a team of people that said we're interested in planning a church in Vancouver with Reese and Sarah Scott, who are currently in London. 65 people showed up. 65. And you know what? It wasn't just a bunch of people that were looking for a change of lifestyle. These people, for the most part, said, we're in. In fact, I was surprised that many of them already had their paperwork in order. Some of them even had their plane tickets to go to Vancouver. Folks, we're talking moving eight time zones here. Change of life. Powerful time together. And during that time in the afternoon, Dave Fellingham, who, by the way, is now working with Jeremy Simpkins, so it should make you very happy. Dave Fellingham was there, and he took a half an hour in the afternoon session and basically said, here's the history of New Frontiers in Canada and recounted his involvement in Canada from 1985 to now. Folks, it was an emotional time for Barb and I and for Kevin and Marilyn to listen to this because we knew that God from right from the, before the foundation of the world, has had Canada on his heart. He laid out this history of everything that took place. It was amazing. It was amazing. He remembers better than I do when God raised up Joe to lead the church. He, and he remembers it better than Joe, believe it or not. He remembers the moment, and I re, it, it's really interesting, he remembers the moment at Slider's dark, dingy place we used to meet back in the early in the, in the mid '90s, he remembers the moment when he said, "I saw this guy at the back of the room. He looked depressed, and he was leaning against the wall with his head down." He said, "You need to come to this church, and you need to be involved." That was me. I was like, "You remember that?" Of course, I remember that because it's relational. It's relational leadership. Anyway, after all this was taking place, it was my opportunity to lead the last hour of prophetic worship. And I got up, and I felt like God said, okay, Reese and Sarah, we need to pray for you guys. And the prophetic picture I had was, the history that you've just heard is now your history. And what God wants to do, he wants to transfer this history that you just heard into your DNA. This is your history. Don't forget it. And so they were schooled that afternoon by Dave Felly on the history of what God has done. It's their history now. They're going to Vancouver. Guess what? In their DNA, they have the same history we do. They'll be here in September. You'll get a chance to meet them again. We have B, so 1A is not forgetting our history. It's really important to remember where you've come from. B, that we have values that are agreed upon together. Biblical values. We don't say we have new frontier values. In fact, I don't really even care what it's called. I don't care if it's called new frontiers or old frontiers. That doesn't matter to me. The name doesn't even matter. What matters is, do we have biblical values together? They're not imposed on us, but they're embraced by us because we see them as biblical. And I've already explained a few of them in terms of Ephesians 4, in terms of how we build churches. 
Values may be worked out differently depending on your context. And in fact, I want to recommend this book to you. This book should be read by everybody in the church. I'm serious when I say this. It's called The Spirit-Filled Church. It's Terry's new book. It is, and there's the, you can, you can find it at all good Christian bookstores, I hope. Is, is it there now? It's on order. You can get it at the Lighthouse, The Spirit-Filled Church. You've got to read this book, folks. You've got to read this book. It will, it will, it'll touch you where your heart beats. It's an excellent, excellent, not just about where we've been, but where we're going and about how God's moving. Thirdly, 1C is the prophetic. We must remember what God has done prophetically with us. There are many things. We already talked about God has called us in a prophetic word to change the expression of Christianity as we know it. We've got to hold on to that. See, there are prophetic words which we have as individuals. How many have ever had a prophetic word given to them? See, yeah, God has spoken to me. Well, you know what? God gives prophetic words to churches. These are apostolically given. These are prophetic words over denominations probably, but families of churches like ours and churches. And God gives these words to them. There's one powerful one that was given years ago at a, at a, organize, or at a, a gathering, a yearly gathering called Stonely, where there was a, a picture of this vast field of dandelions. And what do dandelions do after they bloom? They, what, all those little parachutes go all over the place. That was a prophetic picture that was given all those years ago. And guess what? All those little parachute dandelion spores are going all over the world now. You see, we need to remember that's what God has called us to prophetically. It's really cool. Secondly, number two, we need to have the same love. We have to be building relationships that are not just something that is established on a Sunday morning, although that's great, but we need to have friendships. If friendships aren't there, there's no future for us, folks. If we're not friends first, there's no future. We just don't have, you know, someone just can't come in and say, you know what, I'm apostolic over you. I I don't even know you. How can you be apostolic over me when Paul said, I was known among you. Apostolic builders are known by people. It's relational. And so, relationships are key in our church, in amongst our small groups, in our life groups, in our meetings. I have actually, at the Brighton Conference, I love the sessions, but what do I love more? I love being with people after the meetings. We're at our apartment. Every night of the week, it was being with different people. It was great. It was wonderful. Praying with people, but laughing and having a good time with people. It's all about relationships. It's not about meetings. It's not about how good the meeting was. You know, most of the stuff that God does relationally is not in a meeting. God touches us in meetings, but it's not about the meeting. Paul talks about his affection for the churches, but he's always using terms like brother. He's always using people's names. He's using talking about family. And that's really what it's about. And God is building a family. You know, people do watch with envy when they see relational effectiveness and positive things relationally. People, people are envious. I can't tell you the amount of times that when Joe and I, in the past, there were, I can think of one that I'll tell you about. We were in the States and we were doing some stuff together. And Joe and I, like, we've been friends for so long. But more than that, we really love each other. And we were teaching on something and we're kind of tag teaming it and someone came up to us after they said like i wish we had that now i'm not bragging i'm just saying what god builds relationally 
is something that's a point of envy for other people. We need to provoke that, really. We want people to say, I want what you have. And it's wonderful when that happens. The other thing that really came out in this point, too, about having a relationship is, you know what? We can't take ourselves too seriously either. We've got to have a good time, folks. And, and this is, and Dave specifically spoke to those between 20 and 30 years old who are emerging leaders. He spoke this word, basically, to them. Don't take yourself so seriously. Because he saw that that was happening. It's all about the mission. Uh, not really. It's about loving Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit having the freedom to move in our meetings. About him having the freedom to move in our individual lives and in our small groups. For the life of the Spirit to exist. So it's not all about mission. Can't talk about anything but if, unless I'm talking about the mission. I seem to remember Jesus kicking back a little bit. And no one would say that Jesus wasn't missional. Right? Jesus in his mission was empowered by the Spirit, but he was relational. And thirdly, being one in spirit. We need to remember that we are one in which spirit? Are we one? You know, you hear those kumbaya songs, you know, we're one in the spirit. And it's like, everybody join hands. Everybody, we're going to sit, we're one in the spirit. And, and you hear these, you know, you, you hear non-Christian groups talking about the spirit. You know, we want to we want to find the spirit. The spirit that we're talking about here is big H, holy, big S, spirit. Holy spirit. He's the one that we're in. He's the one who's in us. We need to be one people who is known as a people where the Spirit of God is free to move. You see, we all come from different backgrounds. And so it has to be only through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that we can be together. I mean, face it, look around the room. We're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes. How could we celebrate communion if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit to draw us together, we're not all drawn together by one, you know, one social interest. This isn't the car club that meets on Sunday. This isn't, you know, we're not all together because we like hockey. We're not all together because we like knitting. We're all together because we love Jesus. And all of our personal interests kind of go down by the wayside. And Jesus is the focal point. He's the way, the truth, and the life. All of us, regardless of our backgrounds, personalities, interests, habits, everything... We can be together. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit that we're here together. It's amazing. And the thing is, we want more of his presence in our lives. We want more of his presence in our meetings. Folks, I told you before, and you heard it this morning again, like, you might as well go home and mow your lawn if the Holy Spirit isn't with us. I mean, it's like, he's the reason we live. The day that we want to make things more, I know I'm going to step on some toes. I, I do that often. Seeker sensitive. Could you please come and talk to me? Take me out back. Really. The day that we want to make our meetings more acceptable for the person who doesn't believe in Jesus, come and talk to me. The day that we want to say, uh, I don't know if we're going to, you know what, I think we need to dial down the tongues and interpretations. I think we got uh, those pictures. I don't know. When we start doing that, God forbid. Take me out back. Beat me with a stick. Some of you love to do that anyway, I know. But, but really, you know what?
please, please, we never, we never, we never want to say we want to be more acceptable. Our meeting on Sunday morning is not for the person who doesn't believe. This is not an evangelistic meeting. It isn't. The purpose of our gathering together isn't for each other. It's not so that we can express our love one another. The purpose of our meeting is what we were doing this morning. And what we're doing right now is we'll worship God. He's our focal point. He is the one, the reason, the only reason we come together. Now, in doing that, guess what happens? It becomes what? Evangelistic. It becomes a place where we want to be together. It becomes a place where his presence is here. How many times have you run into somebody? I talked to someone just recently who wasn't a Christian. They came to our meeting. We were worshiping God. And God was in the house in a sense. He's always in the house. But he was here. There, was, there were some prophetic pictures. There was, a, there was a song in tongues. There was an interpretation in song of that tongue. And I looked back and I saw this person who wasn't even a Christian, tears streaming down their face. What is this place? What is going on? You're experiencing the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about that. It's a witness. But that's not why we're here. We're here to worship God. We don't want to dial down the things of the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Spirit. So folks... If we ever choose to be acceptable, if we say, oh, we've got to be acceptable, be careful, knock on my door, please. Because I'll need to be rebuked. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. Paul didn't say, or Paul said this, I didn't come to you with wise words, but with a demonstration of what? Of the Spirit's power. He didn't say, I'm coming, coming to you with wise words, which are a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now, did he preach effectively? Yes. Was he smart? Yes. Did he express himself lucidly? Yes. But he also was accompanied by signs and wonders in the Holy Spirit. We want that. We, know what? we want more. We want healings. We want people healed. We want people set free. We want all of that. Fourthly, one in purpose. We're together on a mission. Have we fulfilled our church planning purpose? Nope, we haven't planted a church yet. But somehow, we've been swept into this church plan in Vancouver. I'm with that. I'm down with that. I think that's great. We'll hear more about that at other times. But have we accomplished everything in terms of what God wants us to do in terms of our purpose in planting churches? No, we haven't. Have we fulfilled... Or have we finished making disciples and growing disciples who've recently become Christians? No, we haven't. Do we need to train more leaders? Absolutely, yes. Our purpose goes on uh, with us from our past into our future. So we want to do all these things. But we're one in those purposes. And lastly, and really importantly, we have to maintain the right attitudes together. Always preferring one another over ourselves. No grasping for equality. Jesus did that. Ephesians cha- or Philippians chapter 2. What was his attitude? Well, he made himself nothing. He made himself as a servant. And that's what I want for myself. And you know what? Some, most of the time I just say, Gary, you fall so pitifully short of this. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, self-promotion or being puffed up or building things to me as a person. Being territorial about how we're building when we build the network of churches. Look what I did. 
Don't want any of it. To have the right attitude about each other. Please speak to me about, like, you have the freedom, folks. Like, I don't want to be that guy. There was a famous hockey player. I won't even mention his name. He played for the Montreal Canadiens. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. But it was during the playoffs in 1985, 86. They won the Stanley Cup. And he scored one of the biggest goals of the team to win the series. And he scored the goal on a deflection. It was a slap shot from the point. The puck went in the net. And he deflected it. The puck went in the net. And I'll never forget the reaction after the goal was scored in the Montreal Forum. He pulled on his jersey with one hand and went like that. Because he wanted everybody to know that it was him that deflected the puck into the net. And it wasn't the guy that took the shot. Folks, I don't want to be that guy. Do you want to be that guy? We need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. The same attitude that says, you know what? Nothing out of selfish ambition. In building this apostolic network of churches in Canada, we don't want to say we have no need of you in the UK. We don't want to say we have no need of you in the United States. We don't want to say we don't want to say any of that. What we want to say is we're interdependent. We need the stuff that you have. In fact, I see these apostolic spheres as overlapping. You know what a Venn diagram is? The spheres overlap. And we need to be interdependent. Mutual interdependence. It's not about doing our own thing. Accountability is really critical at every level, individually, family-wise, church, and beyond. Dave said, away with competition. That was Jesus' attitude, really. And I'll just end with this out of John 12, 24. And last Tuesday at the conference, um, God showed me this picture of this incredible harvest all around the world. And cities weren't cities anymore. They were just these big fields filled with these huge things of wheat all tied together at the center, like the old-fashioned kind, all over the world. And then he showed me this picture. He said, rewind. And the rewind was a kernel of seed dropping to the ground and dying and producing a harvest those years down the road. And the last thing that Dave said on Friday, he says, John 12, 24. Truly I say to you, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And folks, that's God's word to us this morning is, are we prepared to be that people that's willing to be the kernel to drop to the ground? That's a hard one. That's what I want. But it's hard. Each and every time, you know, it's like, it's very, it's like, each and every time God moves in our lives, we're always tempted to say, oh, look at how good I am. Look at, God's chosen me to do that? Oh, there's a temptation, isn't there? If we're honest, isn't there the temptation to say, oh, look at how good I am, look how special I am? I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you. That's the thing. I, 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 you need to know. That's a struggle. It's a struggle we'll all have always. Are we ready to celebrate communion in our diversity? It's evidence of the Spirit of God. Remember, 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 remember our past. Remember what God has done. Don't forget the past. 
Remember that we have to have the same love based and rooted in Jesus. That we're one in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We're one in purpose. And we're to have the right attitude with one another. Let's stand and ask those who are doing communion to come forward. I guess I'd like to just, we're just going to hold with the music. Let's just celebrate communion together. Sometimes I feel bad for the musicians because they don't, they're, you know, this morning, Dan and you guys, why don't you just, let's all stand. Those who are going to deliver communion. The greatest evidence, like I said, of God's presence with us is our diversity. The fact that we're here together this morning. Maybe we can just cue up a song, John, so that we can just celebrate communion. And when we've celebrated communion together, we can, uh, we can be dismissed. So I'm going to pray that. And uh, there's coffee out front tonight at prayer. We're going to pray through these five things. And that's our prayer points tonight for our future. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, God, for your spirit's work. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be like Jesus. And Lord, this morning, we just say, as tough as it might be, we want to be that kernel that falls into the ground. Lord, we want to see the harvest, your harvest, in our lives. We want to see a harvest in our lives individually. We want to see it corporately here as a church, but we want to also see it in our nation and to the nations. Would you help us, O God? Lord, we thank you for Jesus, his shed blood on the cross for us that covers our sin removes it from our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your broken body. We're going to celebrate. And Father, we look to you for our strength in Jesus' name.